Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, High Hopes, the album. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. This is the podcast where we used to talk about every Bruce Springsteen song one by one in alphabetical order. Now, it's the... <laughs> almost said it's the album. It's the podcast where we talk about every album in chronological order. My name is Rob Carmack, and I'm joined here, as always, by J.B. Clark. Are you sure? You seem like you're having trouble. I was just having a hard time getting my words out. You are out. and where you're at. Well, J.B., do we have high hopes about this this episode? Are we feeling optimistic? I sure had high hopes about this record when it came out. Uh, ooh, this coming in hot. Well, um, maybe I should say also, by the way, this is our final episode of season two. Yeah, we did it. Season two, it's over. Yeah, season one was the alphabetical song by song first round. Season two was uh, this, the album by album chronological, and we've it's been all of two thousand twenty. Say what? Did a bunch of bonus episodes. Bunch of bonus episodes. Yeah, it does feel like we've done more than just the the ones that we've done. But yeah, I guess all the bonus episodes combined, it's been a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and we, I guess we should say, actually, you know what? Stick around to the end, and we're going to talk about what season three is going to be. Oh, season three. Because we do have plans for season three. And no kidding, we, we already kind of have plans for season four. So we're way ahead of y'all. Or maybe we're not. We're way ahead of ourselves. Unless you guys have plans for season six, but, you know, subject yeah. to change. Actually, I guess that's true. We do have people, like, on Twitter and people who email us every once in a while who are like, hey, when you get to, after you get through this and this and this, maybe you should try this. So, yeah, I think there are people out yeah. there who have, like, who have high hopes for us doing like nine seasons of different artists and, and various, you know, configurations. So, which we'll by the way, tuned. I appreciate the people want to hear us talk about stuff. Quite frankly, the, I mean, absolutely. I, I can't believe anybody wants to hear us talk about the thing that we actually say that we're here to talk about. But then the fact that y'all I, uh, are like, we what if you talk about, about more things? We, we were talking about this a little bit earlier and we talk about it a lot is like, which other artists would we want to do this for? And which other artists would we want there to be a podcast for and be willing to do one, but would rather hear someone else's take on it? Uh, so that's always fun when someone like emails us one that we have already said we would like to do or that one where we're like, hey, you should do that one because we want to hear it. <clears throat> Can I tell you? And, and by the way, that like the ABC Wilco guys. Ex- I was just about to say that. Wilco's exactly. one that we've yeah. said over and over we would love to do ourselves, but I, we're super glad they're doing it. And they're great. I listen to every episode. Love it. Love it. Love it. I mean, they're. We got a whole network. We got the we got the the, the fellas up in Canada doing the arcade, doing fire. The arcade fire one, which is fantastic. We've been on and and uh, they're always fun to chat with. So yeah, I mean the Wilco one especially was definitely one that I I for for years been saying I wish somebody would do this for Wilco and just in my mind knowing like I could never do this for Wilco, but I'm so glad because you're because like Jeff's approach to lyrics is so confusing to me and I, I just don't understand it and so I needed someone who could who could talk about it to do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Wilco enough to listen to every episode. I don't know that I have a depth of. Un- I mean, you say his lyrics. I like the way he constructs music. Like he is, and I've heard him refer. I've I've heard Wilco referred to as the Radiohead of America, and I I yeah. totally get that because there are certain songs Wilco. Like I could never sit here and explain like why a song is the way it is on a Wilco. Like the entire Star Wars record, For I would. David I have no Bowie. idea how to talk about that. What David Bowie and Elton to like. I'm not. I'm no way prepared to talk about, but I would. I would listen to those episodes big time. If more than anything, as an excuse to get into their music. 
Yeah, well, and there was a Bowie episode out there for a while, the um, from A to Ziggy, that was really good. And those guys, I think they just stopped. And I, I wish they would yeah, go back. Up. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, Bowie is definitely an artist, especially now that he's gone. Like, an artist who has passed away is, like, kind of, that's perfect for this type of format because... You know, like the body of work kind of is what it is, and you can sort of talk about it as as a, as a total thing. And so, like Bowie, Tom Petty's another one. Tom Petty. The thing about Tom Petty, though, and we, I've I've said this before. I say this as a deeply devout Tom Petty fan. I don't I don't know that I could do this for Tom Petty just because I don't know that I I don't know that there's a lot of lyrical differentiation between Tom Petty songs. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't really like explore Tom a Petty, lot of what. I would love to just have a couple of like. Um... Bill and Ted kind of fellas who uh, they're like, all right, this week we're talking about uh, you just name Tom Petty, insert Tom Petty song here. Uh, and one of them's like, the song rocks, man. The other one's like, yeah, man, this song rocks. Well, and they're and, both like, all right, we'll see you next week. <laughs> well, and quite frankly, to be yeah, to be able to do this well with Tom Petty, you need to you need to know a lot more about music than I do. Like like music in terms of like music theory and construction. Like you need two guys who know what you know about music because like you need somebody who can like pick up a guitar and be like, okay, here's what, here's what Tom Petty's doing in this song. Here's the, the chord structure. Here's the breakdown. Here's why this is similar to the birds and the mamas and the papas or whatever. You know what I mean? And I, I can't do that. And like, uh, like what I bring to the table, I feel like is like lyrical and historical understanding. And like Tom Petty just doesn't demand a whole lot of that, quite frankly. Yeah. You know? So anyway, all that to say, it's, like, it's to, in order to do this, there has to be an artist that you, you like enough and it brings enough to the table to where you could really talk about this for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. And they're yeah. just, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a pretty short list if you really start thinking about it. And um, like you said, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit of, at the end of the episode about what that's going to look like going forward. So let's, before we do that though, JB, we got to talk about high hopes. High hopes. Okay. So high hopes. Specifically. Or no, we got to get basic facts. Otherwise I was going to say get... specifically track one high hopes, but let's do some basic facts. 2014 yeah. release. Bruce Springsteen. Yes. Uh, it's not all original or you know first time recordings. Um, <clears throat> you got some outtakes. You got some 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 live favorites in here. Um, what else? Well, I mean, yeah, like you said, it was released January fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. So it's one of the first major albums to be released that year. There are some other albums that came out in two thousand fourteen. This is, I mean, obviously, this is like six years ago. So not not too far in the distant past. So I'm going to real quickly, I'm going to go through this list, see how many of these albums you would, because one of the questions we're asking is like, where does this album rank in comparison to other things that came out in this particular year? So here, here's what else we got from 2014. We got lost in the dream from the war on drugs, which is a great record. That, Oh my gosh. I listen to that record every week. It is. I mean, that, that record is a mood. It's an experience. It's it's very good. So already, like 2014 is looking a lot tougher than than uh, than some previous years. So then you've got uh, 1989 from Taylor Swift, which, by the way, was the best selling album of that particular year. Um, got it on vinyl. It's a great record. It's you know what the Rolling Stone magazine just put out their list of that like their updated list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, and 1989 is on it. There's two Taylor Swift albums on that list. What's the other one? Uh, Red. Huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know her okay. body of work enough to know if that's a, a correct assessment or not. But I know that they're both on there. So then you've got um, "They Want My Soul" from Spoon. Morning mm. Phase. Yeah, well, "They Want My Soul" is very good. Uh, Morning Phase by Beck. The Voyager by Jenny Lewis. 
Black Messiah by D'Angelo. Another great one. Yeah, there's a. I mean, there's this. This is a pretty strong year. Uh, you've got "In the Lonely Hour" by Sam Smith. My My Everything by Ariana Grande. Uh, "Turn Blue" by the Black Keys. "Songs of Innocence" by U2. Uh, Saint Vincent, her debut album, her self titled debut, came out in that 2014. One was a banger. I know you love Saint Vincent. Yeah. Uh, then you got "Run the Jewels" too by obviously by "Run the Jewels." "Ghost Stories" by Coldplay. "Rock or Bust." By ACDC, which I believe was the last ACDC record. I might be wrong about it. There might have been one more about rock, but I'm not sure. Uh, Another one about rock. Yeah, there might have been one more album by ACDC that was ultimately about rock. Uh, let's see. There's Pure Heroin by Lord, Sonic Highways by Foo Fighters, which was kind of like they had sort of a gimmicky kind of approach to that. That was the one where they did like they recorded every song on the album. It was in a, a documentary. City. It wasn't super gimmicky. I guess it was a gimmick. You're right. Never mind. Never well, I mean, yeah, right. that's the gimmick is they're going to go to a different city, record one song, and do like a documentary episode about yeah. the song yeah, yeah, in the right. city. It's yeah. a gimmick. I mean, it's I'm not. I mean, gimmick isn't necessarily bad. I mean, it was. It's a good album, and it's the gimmick is that a uh, pure heroin record from Lord was was uh, kind of a mood setter, man. Yeah, she's done. That's some pretty that's when her stuff. and Jack Antonoff and uh, Carly Rae Jepsen decided to team up and take over the world. Yeah, I think and Lord, I and I think she has an album. Her most recent album from 2017 also ended up on that uh, Rolling Stone list. I can't remember the name of it though. Um, Really? Yeah, I think that's right. I might be thinking of. I'm, I'm almost positive. I, I can look it up in a minute. Um, then you got Suki. There Ray is by... a whole storyline in South Park that goes on for multiple seasons, where Stan's dad is actually Lord. <laughs> I but, um, was not aware of that. That's funny. I've only seen a few episodes because uh, I just check in every now and then, but it's funny. Um, didn't Bruce Springsteen cover a Lord song when he was in? What? It was the Queen Bee. What? What is that song? Yeah. You can call I don't it. remember. I can't remember either. But yeah, he covered it. Um, then you've got, uh, okay, I said Sonic Highways. Then you got Suki Ray by Tweety, which was the album that he did with his son Spencer. And then. That one was good. Yeah, that's a good album. And then you got Bad Self Portraits by Lake Street Dive, which is great. That's one of the. I, I, that, we listened that to that record. Re- say what? In our house the other day. Baby Austin loves to dance. And so we, I was like, oh, you got to hear this record. And so we put on Bad Self Portraits. That. I might I might go so far as to say that's my favorite album from 2014. It's it's a very good album. Um, then it was up there. I think Voyager was fine, but well, Voyager's up there. It's definitely a top five. Uh, Somewhere Under Wonderland by Ken and Crows. Their Ken and Crows most recent uh, studio album. After the Disco by Broken Bells. Remedy by Old Crow Medicine Show, which is really good. Then uh, Strange Desire by Bleachers. That's I th- you're into Bleachers, right? Um, Jack Antonoff. I'm into like I like Jack. Yeah. Uh, then let's see. We got "Get Hurt" by Gaslight Anthem, the the new Basement Tapes compilation. That was really inter- that was an interesting with like Jim James and uh, Marcus Mumford and Taylor Goldsmith. Like that yeah. that was that was an interesting project. The it new was. Basement Tapes. That was good. Uh, then you got "Upside Down Mountain" by Connor Oberst. I put that on there specifically for you. I didn't love that one, man. No, no. No, that one wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actively disliked that one, but you oh, know I like Connor. So, um, and then you've got Hypnot- finally "Hypnotic Eye" by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That was Tom Petty's final album, uh, also, which is really sad in retrospect. So, at some point, we may have to have a conversation about final albums. You know, like yes, um, that that would be interesting. Like when when a when an artist body specifically of work... Bowie and Leonard Cohen, who predicted their own deaths and wrote their, and I guess the American Recessions. You know what I mean? Those feel like 
Oh, the Johnny Cash American. They sessions? feel like, uh, yeah, they feel like you know New Testament epistles. Yeah, that that is, man. It's not. I mean, I I want it darker by Leonard Cohen. I listened to that song the day he died and was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. There oh, goes our man. clean rating, JB. There goes our clean rating. Oh man. So yeah, there, and I mean, obviously what I don't want to have to do is have a conversation about Bruce Springsteen's final album. Like that's, uh, we won't, we won't, he'll he needs to live forever. So thankfully we're getting at least one more, like, cause there's always the thought of like, was Western stars the last one? And then now we're getting letter to you, which is really yeah, exciting. It's not. And letter to you is not the last one. I mean, don't jinx it, man, man. But, uh, I hope you're right. I hope he lives forever. I mean, the Rolling Stones are still out there. So, you know, Bob Dylan is still out there. As long as Keith Richards is alive, none of the artists I love can die. You know, I used to say that, and then Tom Petty died. So now I don't know what's right. You know. Oh no. All right. So anyway, so that that's 2014 in a nutshell. So um, anyway, so now we're in High Hopes. So this is High Hopes is unique among Springsteen albums for a number of reasons. First of all, it's the only Bruce Springsteen album that Bruce mostly recorded on the road between tour stops. And we'll get to sort of the backstory on that. But basically, this was sort of like an impromptu trip to the studio while they were in Australia. This sort of like morphed into, oh, this could be an album. Why not? So that's this is the only time he ever is Ron Ron Aniello is the guy who produced it. Uh, Yeah, mostly. I think there's there's some tracks on here that were like co-produced by Brennan O'Brien because they're outtakes from the rising. But, um, but anyway, but yeah, I think Ron, Ron Aniello, I think is, is listed as the, as the main producer on, um, on this record. So then, um, but so that, that's one way that it's unique. It's also, it's the only Bruce Springsteen album besides we shall overcome to include more than one cover song. Usually a Bruce Springsteen album is made up of Bruce Springsteen songs. Uh, this one, right. this one has more than one cover song, which makes it different. And then it, I thought you were going to like give us a breakdown. Usually there's 9.5 songs and 1.2 covers, but you were like, usually a Bruce Springsteen album is composed of Bruce Springsteen songs. Well, I mean, Thanks, other, Rob. other than we shall overcome, can you think of another Bruce Springsteen album that has more than one cover? Like, I mean, I guess yeah. technically there, there aren't any, but like even just one cover, like you got pony boy on, uh, Lucky Town or Human, Human Touch, and then you got, I don't like. Are, I'm sure. I'm sure there are others that I'm just not thinking of. But like on other Bruce Springsteen albums, is Pony Boy the his only? His covers are usually his covers are usually on like compilations. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Just covers on tracks. There's wait. There's covers on tracks. What are the covers on tracks? Better they're not. What? What is the with the medley? Where's that? Well, that's on, that's uh, on a lot. Hammersmith Odeon. Yeah, Detroit medley. Yeah, he doesn't. Do, he doesn't have a lot of covers, man. I mean, live he he does tons of covers, but yeah, in in the studio right. he almost never records covers. So the fact that High Hopes has three different cover songs is noteworthy. So there's three cover songs. Right. There's two other songs that have been previously recorded in other venues. So this is, I mean, obviously. And I didn't know any better when I first got it because I I was still relatively new to Bruce Springsteen like his body of work not I mean not totally new but I was I was new enough to not know that High Hopes was a cover but but that he put out this album like I would imagine to a long term fan who's been collecting bootlegs I, like I would imagine when they released the track list on this they would have been like what the hell like like what 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 is this like th- these are not Bruce Springsteen songs you know what I mean or these are songs I already have so so that's that's another reason why it's a little bit different but also it's the only Bruce Springsteen album to feature Tom Morello on guitars 
and that is noteworthy. That's, that's great. That yeah. that puts it majorly in the plus column. Steven Van Zandt was it was not in the studio sessions like on the on the road because he was filming his TV show Lilyhammer at this time. So he only appears on one or two of the tracks on this. But thankfully Tom Morello is there, so he's able to kind of pick up the slack. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Tom Morello starts adding atmosphere like right in the beginning of High Ups, the song. Yeah, he track does. one. So yeah, and and we'll definitely get it's to great. all the, the the and and quite frankly, Tom Morello. I don't want to say he's the best thing about this record because it's a Bruce Springsteen record and there's a lot of good things about it. But Tom Morello really does sort of pull this he's album out. He's the most exciting thing he, about this record. Th- that's a good way to put it. He's the most exciting thing. And there are a couple of points along the way where this kind of could have gone in the ditch and it doesn't. And I think a lot of it is because of Tom Morello, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, do you, let's get into it. All right. Oh, wait, just a little bit. Um, so reviews for this album are medium to positive. Obviously, Rolling Stone magazine loved it. They... Um, they slobbered all over. They named it as the number two album of 2014. I, I mean, look, I like this album, but that's crazy. Like the the albums no that chance I just list, number two album of 2014. This didn't didn't crack my top ten list in 2014. It, it cracked my two th- my my top ten list because I'm a sycophant. But I mean, I'm I'm nowhere near the sycophant that is the editorial board at, at Rolling Stone magazine. Right. Um, and so yeah, the, and the number one album that they they listed the number one album as Songs of Innocence by U2, which again I like U2 and I like that album. That's insane. To, to say that that's the best album of, of that year. Yeah, but their album of the year is kind of like the Oscars. Like, they're giving those awards out for years past. Yeah, well, and I mean, it's I, that was back when... They, and I mean, if you look at the, the new list of the top 500 albums, you can kind of see, like, oh, they've made some major changes to their editorial board. Because, like, a lot of these albums on the new list are representative of not, like, the old white men who are going to, like, 50 yeah, they've who shares. You know what I mean? Yeah. Congratulations, Rolling. Yeah, they've got yeah, they've younger people, they have black people, they have women. You know, like it's it's just it the the diversity has uh, has broken through at Rolling Stone. And part of that's because John Winter is no longer like ruling the place with an iron fist and so they're able to right. sort of diversify a little bit. Because there's a book out there. <laughs> that's right. It's called Sticky Things and it rules. It's so good. It's still it remains one of the best books ever. Um anyway, but the album did debut at number 1 on the Billboard 200 album charts, so which makes it hit Bruce Springsteen's 11th number one album which is pretty cool Man. um yeah yeah and uh so and then npr was into it um what? i remember hearing like it came out on npr and being like oh nice and they were into it and then i listened to it and i was like all right and i also do it again and i was like all right <laughs> well and that's the thing i mean i guess i guess we can talk about it as we get into the track by track but there's a lot here to like and so it like this it it's almost like a, a rorschach test like you could or like um schrodinger's album like the album can be great or it can be bad just to kind of depending on what you're expecting, you know, and it's got some really strong cuts. It's just, it's not an album. Yeah. And I, that's part of it too. It's like, if you squint, like you, it looks like an album, but then also if you really kind of take a step back and look at the track list and look, look at what, what is, what is like put together here. It's just, it, it it's almost an album. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's enough of an album to, to refer really to it as an album. There's a lot of stuff. Say what? Oh, yeah. 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 It's like when you look at a billboard and there's a lot of stuff on it and you're like that's a billboard but then when you've driven past it you realize that like you didn't read any of it because it was there's too much on it and you were in a moving car <laughs> and that's kind of how this record feels to me like i get to the end of it and i'm like i enjoyed some of that a lot yeah it's, i mean but you, i'm not like i enjoyed that record you could either refer to this as an album or you could refer to it as the shortest box set of outtakes of all time and both are true and when i think of it as an out uh, box set i enjoy it a lot more yeah. Well, and I mean, I think I think we've had a lot of listeners who have, I think, correctly referred to this as tracks disc five, you know? Yeah. Or like the wrecking ball, whatever the ties that bind 
you know, wrecking ball or the promise wrecking ball. You know, it's the same thing with working on a dream almost. It's it's like if working on a dream and tracks disc five were the same sort of thing. Well, except most of these songs came out of either the rising sessions or the magic sessions. So it's right, that's a good point. Well, so it, I mean, it's even it's, more working on a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's true. It's it's like tracks from the the first decade of the, of the two thousands. You know, let me ask you this though: if you toss like American Skin and the High Hopes cover, I'll even give them the Dream Baby Dream cover. Ghost of Tom Joan Electric. I'm gonna give them some of these like, you know, uh, old song or old songs or remasters or whatever. Frankie fell in love. Maybe toss those and a couple others on the American Beauty EP and did like some serious rearranging and like one good final master. Yeah. And just called the record American Beauty. How'd you feel about that? Like I'd, Harry's place. I feel great about it. Well, that's that's yeah. the thing too. Is like I. I don't not like these songs. I mean, and that's sort of the, like, like I said, like that's kind of one of the things that kind of pulls us well, out of yeah. the ditch. A lot of these songs we rated really highly. Yeah. I'm, We're yeah, like a four. We're an average of a four on this record. And, yeah, I, and I guess that's part of it too, right? Because I mean, the thing that keeps it from being working on a dream is working on a dream has a lot of songs that are just not that great, but this has a lot of songs that I'm like, I genuinely like, and it's just the, yeah. like, it's, it's just hard to sort of talk about this as a full album, just because it isn't, it isn't like the newest best presentation of like Bruce Springsteen's original work. You know, it's, it's not, this didn't come from somewhere inside of him. It was just like, we're on the road and there's some songs that we've been doing on the road that I'd like to have like a studio version of. And so they go into the the studio and they just sort of like throw all this together. And then, and then that's what this is. And there's a couple of, and and then they just decided like, Oh, there's some other outtakes that I always kind of liked that never found a home. And those will go on here too. And so it doesn't really, and I mean, that's part of one of the things too, is that, Unlike a lot of Bruce Springsteen albums, the thematic quality of this is it's it's not as cohesive as a lot of his stuff. Even though it's called High Hopes, and it clearly he's he's clearly reaching for something, it's just not as curated as a lot of his like. Well, it starts and it ends on the right note. <laughs> well, and the start and the end are and both cover songs. Spots. The whole album is bookended yeah, by it. covers. Yeah, you know, and so thematically, well, and I think he could he could have done it, you know, correctly and started and ended with the cover songs, or even just done a cover record. I would have loved a cover record where he curated the themes and then totally reimagined them all like you did with High Hopes and Dream Baby Dream. Yeah. So basically like a more modern version of like We Shall Overcome, but with like covers of songs from the, the like 80s punk bands. Yeah. And that wouldn't have been terrible. That would have been great. Yeah. So yeah, thematic. Tom Morello on guitar covering 80s punk bands? I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, and we're, we're like... We're like thirty percent of the way with this album. We're, we're kind of getting like a taste of what that would sound like with this album. Yeah. Um. And and I don't hate it. Well, look, we're we're starting to dissect it a little bit piece by piece. So let's get into it. Okay. Yes. So thematically, it is sort. Okay. Sorry. It, thematically, if we're if we're looking for sort of like a cohesive, like through line, that that's that's sort of where I always go to first. Like wh- before we start talking about it, like how what 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 are the thematic touch points that we're looking for. And it's sort of a mashup between the rising and magic, which is not a terrible thing. Like the rising is all about like hope coupled with despair and magic is sort of the same thing, but also like stronger social critique. And this album has a lot of that kind of, which is also what wrecking ball is. Yeah, it is. But, and, and so it's just, yeah, it, it is, it is a lot of what wrecking ball is, which, which makes it sort of a natural sequel to wrecking ball. But, but a lot of and the thing that makes it sort of, it, that almost divorces it from wrecking ball is a lot of these songs predate wrecking ball. 
in their construction. Right. I just, man, coming off the back of Wrecking Ball and hearing the song High Hopes on the first track, and just thinking, like, this is this is it. This is the record I've been waiting for. Yeah. You know? Well, then, yeah, let's, like you said, we've, I, I, we've been trying to get there. So, uh, track one, side one, High Hopes. Monday morning runs up, Sunday night screaming. Slow me down before the new year dies. Well, it won't take much to kill a loving smile and every mother with a baby crying. Give me help, give me strength, give a soul and not a fell asleep. Give me love, give me peace. Don't you know these days you pay for everything? Yeah, it just starts up with a bang. The whole band's in, Tom Morello's do doing all his cool weird sound effects stuff on his guitar sorry i just got a little hiccup on his guitar and uh yeah there's just lots of great bgvs great horns it's it's a you know max is just wearing out the snare but keeping it real light and tasteful uh it's nice yeah and this is like like we said before this is a cover uh, which should have been a major tip-off that this wasn't a straightforward Bruce Springsteen album. It's a cover that he had actually recorded before in yeah. uh, in a previous session. But basically the backstory here is on a day off in Australia while they were on tour, Bruce took the entire band, including Tom Morello, who uh, – so Tom Morello was, was playing with them because Little Steven was filming Lil- Lilyhammer. And so when, when Lily, Little Steven is unavailable, you call – one of the greatest guitar players alive and you ask him to substitute. So well, Bruce and Tom had recently kind of become buds through some like protests and some covers and stuff like that and had played together a few times. Yeah. Well, and, and, and raging as um, the machine had covered the ghost of Tom Joad. So like, right. They, and they played together the year before, like in 2012, 10 at the, uh, rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. Thing. That concert is my favorite recorded concert i've had on my dvr for the longest time oh my gosh uh, 2010 one um and so like this was sort of the culmination of their friendship at the time was him being like hey would you come on tour with me <laughs> yeah they seem to really enjoy collaborating with each other which they is very love cool. each other yeah uh so so yeah and, and and the the touring band that that bruce had with him at the time was enormous this is right after the death of clarence clemens or soon after the death of Clarence Clemens. And so rather than just substitute him with Jake Clemens as the new saxophone player, Bruce decides to kind of like expand the scope of the band. So he adds like this massive horn section, some new background vocalists, brings in Tom Morello. I mean, he really just kind of pulls out all the stops. So that's like, he's got a, it's basically like a circus that he has with him on the road, Um, which I realize is a metaphor that he's always enjoyed using. But so he takes this entire crew with him to the studio in in Australia, because he a friend of uh, Brendan O'Brien's in studio engineer, a guy named Nick Dazia, owns a studio in Melbourne, Australia, and so Bruce was like, "Well, hey, Brendan said to call his friend Nick, and we'll go in and maybe, maybe we can just lay this down and have some fun." So they recorded two full takes of this song, and then Bruce let the band members vote on which one to keep, which is very un-Bruce, like to to not Sounds have like my dad since retirement. Say what? Sounds like my dad since retirement. Oh, just like totally like l- yeah, laissez like faire about stuff he used Bruce. to care a lot about. Yeah, I kind of think of like post. Or, uh, I think that like Wrecking Ball was his last nine to five record, and I think of I really do think of like High Hopes on as like Bruce is retired now, like Western Stars is a retirement record. It very much is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be, I'll be interested to hear the entirety of Letter to You and see like what what we get out of that. You know, because you're right. Like the his his sort of overall. 
kind of posture towards this whole thing seems to have relaxed a little bit. And I mean, the fact that he he's like, we're going to put this, and this is going to be the opening track, the title track on a new album. And I'm going to let another group of people vote on which cut we use. Like mm-hmm. 1978 Bruce Springsteen would have died before he let somebody else like vote on what, what track he's going to use to open up a record. He's just feeling good now. He's feeling assault. You know, he's a, he's a, he's, he's finally like, you know, what? I'm good. Yeah. He Whichever was... version is out. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. There, the, he, he definitely had some sort of like, at least temporarily, like some sort of Zen kind of mode <laughs> that he was in at this point. And so this is in 2013. So like, this is not long before he decides to just package this thing and release it. So, um, and Tom Morello says that even after they did that, he stayed back after everybody else left, including Bruce, Tom stayed back and kept working on the guitars long after everybody else had taken off. So, so the guitar, the guitar work here is, I mean, it, it really takes it to the next level. And that's because Tom Morello is who he is, you know? Yeah. And he, I mean, I, I re- like the, I'm borrowing some, some language from like the ringer and the, un- or the rewatchables podcast, you know, like the question of like who won the album. I mean, the answer is Tom Morello won the album. You know, yeah. Like, this this is a Tom Morello like showcase of songs like led and conducted by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. So so yeah. So high hopes, Tom. It's Tom on guitar. It's the band just being big. It definitely has like a Tom Waits energy to it. Big big en- energy for sure. Yeah yeah. And that uh, moves us into Harry's place. Also featuring Tom Morello. Yeah, and Harry's place like kind of keeps that energy, but makes it a little bit weird. Kind of takes it back to, you know, I mean, we talked about how he's covering like '80s punk songs on this record. Yeah, Harry's place has got that feel, you know. Like it, it sounds like a Nintendo, like a 16-bit Nintendo Street Fighter soundtrack with that like, wow, 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 synth in the background. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and this is Harry's place. Is it's one of the only songs on this record that is not previously released nor a cover. You know, it this this I mean it was and it even so it was still it it was an older song in Bruce's um archive. Like and so the song was written before the rising and then it was recorded for magic. And and so it and it totally fits inside that time frame because it 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 does sort of seem like a it, it's a coded like um sort of looking for like a an allegorical critique of the George W. Bush presidency, which again, yeah. like we talked about this years ago when we first talked about the song, but like th- this, this song becomes more relevant in a Donald Trump presidency than even yeah. in, a, in a George W. Bush presidency. Cause the metaphor here is that Harry is like a tough guy, gangster type. And he's sort of like, he's like this like chest thumping strong man who, who doesn't, who does not like to be challenged. Like also, I don't think we talked about this when we did the individual episode, but like, this is what he was trying to do with human touch. Oh, interesting. Like sonically? Yeah, don't you think? I mean, I'd never thought about it, but yeah, a little bit. Because it's 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 a little bit chaotic, it's a little bit menacing, which is it's not got a bunch of like that uh Well, I mean, like I think he wanted that Human Touch record to sound like, you know, the intro to True Detective season 2, like we've been talking about, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like and like, like this has got that feeling, you know. 
like a sitcom gone wrong, you know, when that saxophone comes in, like, oh, this is more Dick Wolf and less, um, I just forgot his name. What's the guy's name that does all the sitcoms? Uh, Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre, yeah. This is more Dick Wolf than Chuck Lorre, you know? Yeah. And th- this song, by the way, is produced by Brendan O'Brien and not yeah. R- Ryan Aniello because, like I said, th- it was recorded for Magic. So this is this is still sort of in – in fact, um, Clarence Clemens is – is credited as tenor sax on, on this. So the, the personnel here is Roy Benton, Clarence Clemens, Nils Lofgren, Gary Talent, Max Weinberg. And then I guess Tom Morello went in and recorded new guitar parts to go over this. So everything yeah. except for Tom Morello and possibly some of the lead vocals here are from the, the magic sessions. Uh, it's a killer song. Yeah, it's really good. And and it's interesting this comes after High Hopes. Because, like, And this is sort of where we get, like, it, it sort of re-enters into the tension of the Rising album where it kind of deals with both the the optimism and the waiting on a sunny day of it all, but also sort of like the darkness and the tension and the, the ominous nature of kind of corrupt leadership and violence, you know, it, so, which is why it couples so well with the Rising and Magic. So Because it, it kind of threads the, the needle between both those, yeah. those albums. You know, because magic is all about frustration with like power and leadership, and the rising is all about like overcoming, like living in despair, but also choosing to look beyond the despair. Mm. So you've got high hopes, which kind of does that in a tongue-in-cheek sort of way a little bit. But then you've got this song, which fully goes back into like magic territory. Like this song is very much in the gypsy biker um, living in the future, like thematically. I mean, you know, kind of kind of vain. and it brings up the darkness, which it totally leans into in the next song. Right. So, yeah, the next song. 41 Shots. Is, American yeah, Skin, American 41 Skin. Shots. Yeah. 41 Shots. And we'll take that ride. Cross the bloody river. To the other side. 41 Shots. Cut through the night You're kneeling over his body In the vestibule And th- this is this, this song had been around for a while This is actually This is probably At this at this point in 2014 This is probably the most well-known Bruce Springsteen song That had not ever been released on an album Because yeah. it obviously It, it was uh, On February the 4th The backstory here is On February the 4th, 1999 Four New York police officers shot and killed Amadou Diallo, who's a 23-year-old immigrant from New Guinea. And they claimed he, quote, resembled a suspect in a rape case. And he was unarmed, and they shot him 41 times in a, uh, in a vestibule. And so in his a, house. In his house, yeah, or in his, near his apartment. In and front so, of, yeah, in front of his apartment. Yeah. And, and he was going for his wallet. Yeah, and, uh, and so th- this, this is a song about police shooting an unarmed black man and getting away with it and you know what that happened in 1999 it's 21 years later and we are living in the year of george floyd and brianna taylor and um man who, who's the guy in ahmaud kenosha? Marbury. uh yeah uh yeah ahmaud arbery who's the guy in kenosha J- jacob blake um jacob blake. And, and like this is countless others countless others yeah i mean these are these, these are the ones who have gotten the most amount of like attention but yeah it, this happens all the time and it continues to, to happen and it's like this happened 21 years ago and it affected bruce so much that he wrote the song and when he wrote the song he he performed the first time he performed the song was in 1999 at madison square garden and the police were so upset about the song we talked about this before 
they were so upset about the song that they abandoned him. Like his his on-site police security detail abandoned him in the motorcade and they left uh his like Bruce's entire like exit limo like motorcade in the in the parking lot outside Madison Square Garden and like basically they got swarmed they by They basically fans. dropped him off in the pit. Yeah, basically so. And I mean because the police were so upset about this because obviously it's very controversial to suggest the police shouldn't shoot people who I mean quite frankly I would argue police shouldn't shoot anybody but like yeah. the very least that like, maybe don't shoot an unarmed black man 41 times for doing for quote resembling Some someone who may or may not be a rape suspect like yeah. get yeah so anyway um so yeah Bruce, Bruce is sort of this has been like I realize like we are now in a in a time when lots and lots of people are affected by this, but Bruce, Bruce was kind of he was banging this drum pretty early, or early yeah. early for a white for a white performer. Like he was way ahead of this um, in comparison to other white artists, you know, who were his con- contemporaries. So, um, so yeah, also, that, yeah. Not to totally change the tone, but in the middle of it, Bruce and Tom Morello do a freaking Top Gun guitar solo. Dual guitar solo. Yeah, it's pretty great. The guitar solos here. Or maybe it, Top Gun is a great comparison. No, maybe too. that's that's might be Nils. I can't tell. It's easy enough to find out. Let's see here. Um, it is Nils is not credited. Nils is only credited here as a background vocalist. So guitars are Stephen Van Zant, Bruce Springsteen, and Tom Morello. All right. Feels like it's probably Bruce and and Tom because Bruce loves to play guitar solos with Tom Morello. I think, I think that's right. So yeah, I probably, mean, it's a very top gun situation. It is. And so, I mean, and this is, it, it's interesting. This sort of get, like the album, like looking at the trajectory of the album, it, album, it opens with this cover high hopes. Then it moves into Harry's place, which is all about like systemic power abuse. And then you go into like 41 shots, American skin, which is also about systemic power abuse. It's about people who we've given badges and guns to, who are allowed to, to kill people with no consequences. Yeah. And so like we're kind of we're kind of in the pit now like with the with with the the darkness and the power abuse of it all. Like we're we're in magic territory now, you know. Yeah. Uh and then we go into just like firewood. One night in a motel room. I was cast like steel. I drank the wine that they left on my table. Knew the morning was too far. I smoke my last cigarette I stay only to define The night was dark and the land was cold And I was frozen right to the bone Just like firewood Which is a fun little light play on Just Like Firewood And uh, yeah. this is another well, cover W-O-U-L-D, but like firewood like yeah. Just like it would, yeah Um so this is another cover. It was uh, it was originally released in 1986 by an Australian band called The Saints. And the reason this is here is because Bruce had been performing this song during his Australian tour. Because when Bruce is in Australia, he does a lot of songs by Australian artists. In fact, I have a bootleg of him doing Highway to Hell, which is awesome. Nice. Um, and so they were doing this song a lot. And, uh, and th- basically, Bruce was like, I-, I would like to have a-, a studio version of this with this group of musicians. So they decided to record it while when they visited Didia's studio. And I-, I-, I feel like a lot of these songs were Bruce just like wanting to take a picture. I think and that's I'm right. super into that. I'm glad he took a picture. I wish he would have released this just as a thing on like a Wednesday. Nine Uncents for my fun Australian cover. Just like Firewood. I downloaded it. 
it is a terrible follow-up to American Skin 41 Shots. It's, it's weird in this place, be, like because it, it is bookended by these two other songs that are thematically really similar. It is I not think. weird. It is harmful in this place. <laughs> you think so? You think you, you think it actually disrupts the album? I just I think it disrupts the album, and I think it it uh, negates some of the seriousness that we've dealt with so far. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's a great cut. It is, and it's super fun. It's feel good. It is, and, and I think you're like. You're right. I, I, I mean, you could probably place this somewhere else and it would make more sense. But where it is, it does sort of feel like, what? what is this? Like, I mean, because not only is it not, I mean, not only does it not thematically sort of flow with what the rest of the album is doing, it's not even a Bruce Springsteen song. Like it, it is just, it's sort of just here. And it, like you said, it's good. I enjoy listening to it. When, if I'm listening to it isolated, I never skip it. I what's, freaking love it. But what's that song from um, Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping? I don't know. About where he's like trying to be an ally. I don't know. I've not seen it. I haven't either, but there's this song from the soundtrack that's hilarious where the Andy Samberg character is trying to be an ally, but he's also like reiterating how very not gay he is after every like empathetic verse. <laughs> and that's what it feels like whenever you hear American Skin followed by just like firewood, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like this is serious when you talk about it. But first. How about some Australian party music? <laughs> and I mean, I guess you could you could make the argument if you squint and tilt your head just right, you could make the argument that this is about a struggle with isolation and depression, right? Like one night in a hotel room, I smoked my yeah, last true. cigarette, you know. And so you could have the conversation about like we because we've done high hopes. But that's personal, and and the rest of this record is is communal so far, right? Yeah, because the yeah the originals here are about, like you said, about communal, they're about systemic injustice, they're about power abuse. And then, but the covers are about, like, internal personal stuff. So, like, High Hopes, Just Like Firewood, are both about sort of, like, the, like, interiority of, like, the struggle. And so, so you could put, like you said, like, you could put this somewhere else, and it probably would have been, at the very least, it could have been harmless. But, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like, to, to follow American Skin... Which, I mean, quite frankly, I'm glad that this ha- there's a studio version of this, and I'm really glad that there's a Tom Morello studio version of this, of American Skin. Um, like, it, you, it, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard to justify that unless it's packaged in such a way. It's hard to justify doing another version of this song, of American Skin, unless it's packaged in such a way to where it, like, it fulfills like, a greater narrative purpose on an album. And like, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. I think Just Like Firewood sort of if you would throws cold water on the, the, uh, the momentum, you know? Well, and up to that point, he had been a, done a decent job building the momentum. Yeah, I think you're right. So then we get and to, and then we get right back into it. Track five down in the hole. Song comes every morning, but it ain't no friend. I get dressed and I go back again. The rain keeps on falling. Twisted bones and dirt I'm buried to my heart here in this hood Fire keeps on burning You're waiting It's very heavy. This is an outtake from The Rising. And yeah. it's about digging through the rubble at Ground Zero after 9-11. The song could have just been on The Rising. Well, it almost, it kind of was. Like, I think one of the reasons he left it off is because it's very similar to, like, You're Missing and Nothing Man. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's got a lot of the same sort of like you're missing very much. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. I, like it'd have been great on tracks this five. 
It doesn't fit on high hopes, though. Um, Even though it gets back to seriousness, I just don't think it fits on high hopes. Yeah, because I mean, it's about such a specific thing. It's about loss, right? And yeah, I, th- it's, I think it's about down to the hole is about loss on nine eleven. Yeah, you know what I mean. For sure, and which is a very specific amount of yeah. Well, which, which is kind of interesting. If, if I on the vinyl of this, um, it, each side it's it's a two disc vinyl, and each side is broken in it. Oh, excuse me. It, each side is broken into three songs, and if you if you kind of look at it as as that sort of structure, not as like a side A and side B, or even as a continuum, if you just look at it in like groups of threes, it actually makes a little bit more sense. You know, so like you've got Except the first without just like firewood. No, I mean even just like firewood because these three songs, just like firewood down the hole and the one that comes after it, all sort of feel disjointed you know like they're the, the thing that they all have in common yeah, is that so. they are not really in theme with the rest of the album so it's almost like you like and maybe it's just that they're too early like maybe if you shuffle this around well, a little bit and heaven's wall could fit on a record with american skin all right well let's let's go to it then let's go to so heaven's wall is track six Sort of a spiritual, it, very much so. Yeah, and it's it, a lot of religious overtones here. Yeah, that fits on this record with American Skin and with High Hopes. You know, I mean, it, and with High Hopes. Yeah, and with Harry's play. If we take out just like Firewood and Down in the Hall. So maybe, maybe if if you and I are, are sitting in in the production, if if, if we're Ron Aniello, and we're trying to figure out like, okay, how do we retract this to where it, it sort of flows a little bit more seamlessly? You think? We go, we keep the first three tracks just like they are, and then take Heaven's Wall yeah. and then shift it up right after American Skin. This is, this becomes track four instead of track six. You think that's No, better? maybe not, but we got to, you know, we got to eliminate all the tracks we would eliminate first. I think the song that comes after American Skin is probably on the American Beauty EP. <laughs> maybe that's part of our bonus episode is, is uh, retracking High Hopes with four more songs to choose from. Oh, I like that. Like what? Yeah. yeah. What, what in if, addition to talking about those four songs in our bonus episode today. Well, I mean, if if we're using sort of the rising as a template, because a lot of these songs came from like the rising sessions, like why not make it a fifteen song album just like the rising? I mean, even though we made yeah. the argument that the rising is a little too fat, like if if you're willing to do that, and if this is already sort of an outtakes collection anyway, like why not? Why not just make it fifteen songs, All put right. the American yeah. American Beauty stuff on there, and make. Or maybe you do sort of like that Foo Fighters in Your Honor thing where you have basically two different, like each disc is a totally cool. different journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you've got one disc, which is like the fun stuff, the covers, the sort of inter- interiority of it all. And then the others are like the, the systemic rage, you know? Yeah. And you just se- separate them. And you know, like these are the two. I'm, I want to I say two different things here. I have divergent visions for these two things. So I'll just t- make two mini albums and make it into a double album. You know, why not? Yeah. So... Um, anyway. Well, I think Frankie Fall in Love, the next track, would be great on that record. And it's on that upswing of that, you know, record. Good morning, good morning. The church mass snoring. News is out all over town. 
I love this song. It's a great song. I almost feel like it could go before American Skin. After Harry's Place. I don't know. Well, it depends on what you want. Like, it depend, Like if you want to sort of use the Wrecking Ball formula, then you need Frankie for, Fell in Love towards the end. This, this sort of fulfills... This kind of goes in the... Um, what was... It kind of goes in... Oh, the, maybe like right before Dream Baby Dream? Yeah. It, it, Is it the like, before the bedtime song? Put it in the, in the Land of Hope and Dream slot. You know, just because it's so it's so like bright yeah. and uplifting, you know. Yeah. Um, it's I got a ton to it, and then it's got killer slide and guitar and super fun band stuff. I love the breaks where they do the palm mutes, the dun dun dun. You know, like it's so much fun. It is. Uh, it's like it's kind of got like a pop punk, pop metal guitar sentiment to it. You know the uh those breaks it's cool yeah this is this is a fun this is one of the only songs on this record it's a Halloween song. it, oh yeah th- is this the only song on this on this album there's three goes to tom joe electric and american skin so this is the only song on this album that only exists on this album that, that is a hall of fame song. well american skin doesn't exist anywhere else besides, this album, besides the zeitgeist but it had existed there long enough that we can count that well, it's on. It was on live in New York before this. Okay. So it it had an official release just as a live cut, you know, not unlike uh, because of the night. Yeah. Now th- All right, this. So then we go into. Well, hold on. Fra- Frankie Villain Love does oh. not feature Tom Morello. No. So and I we didn't say it, it before, but Heaven's Wall does feature Tom Morello, and there's some really interesting yeah. like dueling guitar. There's like a three guitar like section where there's they're kind of going they're t- almost talking to each other in Heaven's Wall. For everything this record's not, it is a guitar forward record, and it's a fun guitar forward record. It is. Well, I mean, that's what I, that's what I mean when I say like sometimes it almost feels like Tom Morello's almost pulling this out of the ditch because without Tom Morello, this could have been a pretty like vanilla set of outtakes. You know, if you ask me, like, so my rating for this record, song by song, is four point one six. It's my average, four point one seven. But uh, if you ask me, like the record as a whole, how would I rate it? I'd give it like a 2.5. It'd, it'd be pretty low on my, on my, um, you know, ranking of records. And that's like, and that goes to show that just Tom pulls a lot of these songs out, you know? Yeah. Looking at an individual, you can't be too mad about a Tom Morello song. No, that's a th- thing at the end of the day is like, I, I revisit a few of these songs a, a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Frankie uh, in Love, like, like you said, I, this is, I, I think this is, this is the star song of this album that didn't previously exist anywhere else in the Bruce Springsteen zeitgeist. Yeah. So this, this, this is the one song on this record that I'd be like, if, if I was at a show and they pulled this one out, I'd be stoked. This would be super fun to see live. Yeah. I think the next track, This Is Your Sword, might be what we were looking for to follow American Skin. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. These are the few things that I leave to A sword of our fathers with lessons hard told The shield strong and sturdy from battles will fall Well, this is your sword, this is your shield This is the power of love revealed Carry with you wherever you go And give all this is your 
Power Sword is really good. I know. Je- actually, I think yeah. Jesse Jesse Jackson, friend of the pod, Jesse Jackson. I don't know if he actually did make a sign or if he just had considered making a sign for this. But at the 2004 tour in Houston, I know he was considering making a sign request for this song. I know he has a ton of uh, favorite songs uh, ahead of this. But if you told me that Jesse had a tattoo, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, I would maybe guess that it was a This Is Your Sword tattoo, like on his forearm. Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy? At that show, at that Houston get show. tattoos with Jesse now. At that Houston show, the Jesse and I were Jesse, both if you're at. listening to this, I will get a tattoo with you. Your call. Your pick. Sorry. That's a great Carry idea. Carry on. Yeah, at, at that Houston show that Jesse and I were both at in 2014 on the tour supporting this album, This Is Your Sword was slated on, on Bruce's handwritten set list. This Is Your Sword was supposed to be the opening song. But then when they came out, like, this is how quickly Bruce just totally disregards his own set list. They come out. It's almost like Bruce is like, oh, wait, we're in Houston. And so he turns around and he tells everybody we're going to do Seeds. And so he throws out This Is Your Sword and, he, and they do Seeds instead, which is a huge disappointment because the song This Is Your Sword is so much better than Seeds, in my opinion. Yeah. But Seeds has the word Houston in it, so he has to do Houston. It's a lot. He has to do it when he's in Houston. But um, anyway, This Is Your Sword is great, though. And it's got bagpipes, the, whole, the entire yeah. message of – and quite frankly, and this is why the, if you look at the song in like – pairs of or groups groupings of threes these three songs this frankie fell in love and the one that comes after it are all sort of pursuing the same idea which is basically the idea that love wins you know it's it's all about sort of like the triumphant nature of love the um the value of seeking after love as a um as a moral virtue and this is your sword is is sort of a way of saying that like we are we are used to people fighting with guns and moral imperative Moral, yes, thank you. A moral imperative. That's a great way to say it. Yes. Yeah. And um, this is your sword is exactly that because a sword historically is is an um, is a an a instrument weapon. of destruction and of violence. Yes. But in the Bruce Springsteen of it all, the sword, it, like the thing that gives you your power, is the ability that you can is your your ability to show love and grace to your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Your sword is 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 love and grace at this point. Yes, it is. Um, and then we got, so next we have, oh, I have to say this. The second after I quit talking about getting a tattoo of Jesse Jackson, he tweeted at you and I, and for a brief moment, I was like, that's it. We're doing it. <laughs> then I realized, we're recording this. We're recording this, and it's not out in the internet yet. That's weird. And he was talking about something totally different. But it's like he knew. That's wild. Yeah, his ears were burning. How funny. Um, uh, what a guy. Jesse, we love you. I love you. Hunter who, who, of Invisible Game. How could anybody not love Jesse Jackson? That's what I want. I to don't know. know that anyone couldn't. If there's somebody I'm, out there who couldn't love Jesse Jackson, I don't want to know him. That's a person I don't <laughs> want to be in, in contact with. I was thinking about this the other day. I was. I love how much John Oliver can just like pick a city or a topic or anything and just take a stand against it in such a big way. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately become the adversary, and I was like, I could never do that. But you know what? If you don't like Jesse Jackson, DFW then you can get lost. And if you're ever in my part of town, there's a guy who's around who's willing to go to fisticuffs with you. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Uh, all right, so Hunter <laughs> Invisible Game. I hold my silver battle ditch Build me an ark Go for and pitch Sat down by the roadside And waited on I am the hunter of invisible game. I 
this is another good song that has some fiddle that fits into that sort of same Celtic. This is your sword, and that uh, which kind of fit into the up and down vibe of the Frankie Fallen Love. You know, up and down, upstrum, downstrum, kind of did up to them. So it's yeah, you're right. It's a very like this this these this triplet would fit really well. Fits really well on one side of a record. Yeah, the the quote invisible game that he is in pursuit of is the kingdom of love that he mentions. At this the is also our most highest rated triplet of any triplet on the record. I believe that. Yeah, yeah, Hunter is a great song, and it's got a cool video, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, the video is basically a short film. It's like this post-apocalyptic short film that he made with Tom. Yeah, Zane. it's like if Bruce was uh, in the road. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's it's a lot like that. So, <laughs> well, and the thing about this triplet, like a fur collar coat, it's like if Bruce was somehow in the road and Red Dead Redemption at the same time. Oh yeah. So th- this triplet here, this is this is the only like this is the only triplet in which all three songs are thematically consistent and all written by Bruce Springsteen. And original, yeah. And and like original to to this record. Like all this, the Heaven's Wall. I actually I guess, I guess you could start with Heaven's Wall. Heaven's Wall, Frankie fell in love, this is your sword, Hunter of Invisible Game. That's that, that is a mini like you take that and then you take the four songs from American Beauty, and then you maybe like put a couple more songs in there as well and this album is much better you know like th- yeah the makings for a really great 2014 bruce springsteen album are here it's just like instead he just sort of like threw a bunch of stuff out that he was i guess, I guess just i i really think he was just sort of enjoying working with his group of people he, like you said he wanted to take a picture i think he just wanted to have a reason to record some stuff with tom morello and stay on the road with this particular band so I think he was in an interesting place where this made sense, but in the entire body of work. Yeah, and it was just like, it was time. He was probably working on some other stuff too, but it was time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. You know? But yeah. So he put a record out. So yeah, I, I think you you take all the stuff from American Beauty, you put it in the hopper, and you um, you allow it to sort of be reintroduced for consideration with the stuff on this record. You reshuffle the order a little bit and what you've got yourself an A plus album. It's it's, it is possible to make that. It's just like the construction of this and the track choices leave a lot in, in my opinion to be desired. Yeah. But I mean, that's it on this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that said this triplet, Frankie fell in love. This is your sword hunter of invisible game. This shows you what this album was capable of. These are three really, truly good songs. The guitar on Hunter Invisible Game is so much more understated than anywhere else on the record, but it is like perfect. And Tom Morello also on this And they almost sound like synth or organ because obviously Tom Morello and his weird, I don't know how he makes those sounds. (laughs) I don't either, man. It's good. It's wild. And then it fades out like on a, on a, uh, What's it called? A Victrola? Uh, Is that what it's called? I don't. What are the old record players called? Oh, I don't know. Oh, this this song is produced by Brendan O'Brien, by the way. Mm, that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at the the production notes here, and it, it does it like it like leapfrogs between Brendan O'Brien and Ron Aniello a lot. So like the newer stuff was recorded by uh, by Ron, and the older stuff. I guess b- because they had recorded a lot of this stuff during the rising slash magic sessions are credited with, uh, with Brennan, even, even though Tom Morello came back in and added some stuff, you know, in post. So then we go to the ghost of Tom Joe electric. Men walking along the railroad tracks, 
Gone someplace, there's no going back Highway patrol choppers coming up over Hot soup on a campfire under the bridge Silver line stretching around the corner Welcome to New World Order Which starts off with the most sexy guitar chord hit you've ever heard. Yeah. And this is, this is quite frankly something we did not need because we already have an album called The Ghost of Tom Joad. We already have enough live cuts of this song. We didn't need this. That said, I'm not going to complain. I, I really like it. It's Hall this. of Fame. This is good. It's very good. Yes. Now, I would have put it maybe track two after High Hopes or track four, three after Harry's Place. Interesting. Because there's not a big guitar part before it starts. Hunter Invisible Game fades out. And then you just get this an unnecessary giant hit, you know. But it's cool. You know, it's a really cool rendition of Ghost of Tom Joad. Yeah. Just dirty Telecaster through the amps gain, you know, just like while he's just singing, you know. Yeah. This, this it's album, good. It's a great cut. It is. And I mean, and Tom Morello has been playing guitar solos over this song for years. Like I said, Rage, when he was in Rage Against the Machine, they were already yeah. covering the song. So this, this Tom was, Morello was like a young man. He was playing guitar solos over the song, thinking like this is it should be a, a rock song and not a, an acoustic song, you know, like, well, and, and this version sort of combines those two sensibilities. It combines the rage against the machine take on the song, but it also re- retains the Bruce Springsteen of it all. Yeah. So well, it is also, sort of a marriage. It's between the the highways alive tonight over like electric guitar. So good. Very cool. Yeah. And I got to see them do this live when, when uh, <sighs> they were on the high hopes tour, they, they did this together. Tom Morello was there and it was, incredible it was like as a music fan i am so glad that i like i have that in my brain that i just i i will always be able to say like i got to see bruce springsteen and tom morello perform the song together on stage you know what when it gets big you know what the guitar stem remind me of what black sabbath oh i can so i can totally hear that yes i've listened to a lot of black sabbath lately <laughs> sure it's that kind of year my wife came in the uh in my office the other day and she's like you listen to ozzy osbourne i was like i'm listening to a lot of black sabbath I listened to a lot of Black Sabbath. <laughs> and she was just like, I don't know, my husband was a Ozzy Osbourne fan. And I was like, again, Black Sabbath. <laughs> I mean, Ozzy Osbourne was in Black Sabbath. Yeah, take him or leave him. Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so yeah, th- this is this is good. I'm glad it exists. I don't I, but again, like it's the best thing on this album that no one needed. You know, like we didn't no one needed this. Oh. But I'm I'm really glad we have it, you know? Because we had never heard the song with harmonies before. I guess, the, I mean, other than live cuts. There were some live cuts of them doing this before. Yeah, but, like, the harmonies in this cut are incredible. Yeah, it's it's mixed really well. Yeah, and it's it's Tom, right? It's Oh, the, the harmonies? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, Sounds I mean, deep. Tom, well, oh. yeah, because Tom's doing, um, he, they're, they're, they're switching verses, which, by the way, it's very unusual for Bruce to share lead vocals with anybody. So like the fact that he like well, lets Tom he take would over do some this of the live business. with Tom right normally. Like he switches he does that all the time with other artists, but he never puts that on his record. No, that's yeah, the, that, they went into the studio never put it on his record that. to this point. I switch verse vocal. Yeah. Yeah, so on the except for the No, there was some there was some stuff from um I just forgot the name of the band. It's not Steel Train, that's Jack Ananoff. 
What's Bruce's first band called? Steel Mill. Steel Mill. Yeah. Oh, when they did like, or the Bruce Springsteen band when yeah. they do the Ballad versus of Jesse James. Other verses sung by other. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Morello's guitar solo on this. Tom Tom Jode is stupid good. It's. I mean, it's one of the greatest guitar solos ever recorded on a Bruce Springsteen album. And, and I mean, obviously, heaviest, it's not surprising. These are the most like everybody went to their amp before they play this song and they just turned the mids off. It's just like jump jump. It's just this is the most metal guitar tones on a Bruce Springsteen well, song. Well, this is the one song here that he he brings all the Rage Against the Machine with him. Like where it's it's the 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 wow wow Yeah, he did does all of that, you know? Yeah. Um this perfect representation of what that sounds like. No, that it is. Um, anyway, we had a guitar player who was like, let's play the Minu Minu part again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, People know. There's no know. way to replicate guitar with mouth. Yeah, man. So th- I'm, like I said, I'm glad I have, this is the thing about this album. This then this song I think is a really good representation of this. This is an album that I thoroughly enjoy that I never think I enjoy is like when I'm not listening to it or talking about it, I don't realize how much I like it because if I listen to each of these songs individually, I love all of them. Yes. I love all of them. I think that Just Like Firewood and Heaven's Wall are the weakest, and I think those are both two killer cuts. I do not ever want to listen to it just as a record because I just get disappointed by it, you well, know? Because it, it, it barely feels like an album. Like, it's it just because it's so different. Yeah. And it, it so represents, like, a place that Bruce really wasn't. You know, like, it, it well, doesn't... like, the wall does not fit between the Ghost of Tom Jones and Dream Baby Dream. It could come before Dream Baby Dream. Um, it doesn't go after the Ghost of Tom Jones. It goes after maybe the Hunter Invisible Game. It could go, yeah, it could go after American Skin. It could go after Harry's Place. It could go after Heaven's Wall, which shouldn't be on the record. <laughs> I like Heaven's Wall. I'll, I'll defend Heaven's <clears throat> Yeah, I just Heaven's don't think wall. it should be... Necess- oh, no, 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 Heaven's Wall should be on the record. Sorry, Down the Hole, not on the record. Just like Firewood. Not on the record. Yeah, so yeah, uh, uh. so track 11 is The Wall. Cigarettes and a bottle of beer This poem that I wrote for you This black stone and these hot tears all I got left now of you I remember you in the marine uniform Laving, laving at your Chappelle party I read Robert McNamara. And this is about... It's not a ton to it. It's just like a really sweet, like, lament song with some great electric organ. Well, and this is... Just some, like, if they play this in church, there's some people in church who are like, I don't know, I've never felt these feelings in church before. But it feels like a church organ still, you know? Yeah. And and this is a song that totally could have been on, like, Magic, because it's, it's about, like, his anger about the Vietnam War and... And which a magic is a lot about his, his anger about the Iraq war. So he like that, that works like that. This, this song and Harry's place, it makes a lot of sense that those two songs would be on the same album. Um, but yeah, I think the placement, I mean that really the, the biggest problem with this album is not the album. The problem with it or the songs, it's the placement. It's the, it's the ordering. Yeah. Um, Cause the, in song, the selection and yeah. In the selection. Like, and yeah. So like if he, if he had brought some of the American beauty songs back in, if he had retracted it, um, I, I think I think we'd be I think we would have a lot higher regard for this as an album. All right, so the last track on the record is "Dream Baby Dream." Dream baby dream. Dream baby dream. 
Much maligned, Dream Baby Dream. Much maligned by me. Yeah, you hate it. I me hate and Jesse song. Jackson. Love this song. Yes. And we, for those who were listening in the first season, uh, in the first year, I, we we covered this song, and I I very aggressively panned this song. And then like three days after we released the episode, the guy who wrote the song died. So still feel a little bad, yeah. a bit bad about that, you know. Respect for his body of work. I just don't respond to this song. So, um, J- JB, tell me why this is a good song. But more more importantly, tell me why it's a good idea for Bruce to close the album with this song. So, I love the message, and I think it, it fits with High Hopes. We, well, we, we, like, we should say that this is a cover song. It's a cover, a cover song by the band Suicide. And so is High Hopes, and that's <laughs> very much why it fits in the theme, I think. But also because... This is about, like, we have to... The song is, we have to keep the light burning. Come on, dream, baby, dream. Um, and it's just, like... It's just, like, this this mantra of, of encouraging people to dream and to love and to share it and to spread it, you know, which is, like, that hope. It's that hope. This is the... This is the not tongue-in-cheek version of High Hopes. This oh, is like the I just want to see you smile. Come on, dream baby, dream. I think it's gorgeous, um, and I think it's an anthem of empathy that we need. Well, it is sort of interesting. Like this is like Transatlantic is by Death Cab. Like if he closed a song, a, a set out with this, everyone in the pit's hugging. You know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. Like he opens the album with high hopes, which is very big. There's like all the horn, like all the bells and whistles are in the opening track, and the message of of that song is basically like, in spite of all the struggle, like we sort of almost ironically, are we, we have to like something must get better because it can't just keep getting worse. And so then we go through the journey of the right. album, which I mean, we could we could argue like there's some weird detours here, but it closes on this very I'm much more subdued, no Tom Morello here, um, really stripped down song that he he actually like closed the devils and dust shows with this song just as a like sort of as a as a final word so like he goes through like yeah. there's a lot of big production on this album and it's interesting like the closing of this it sort of has the same like you said it's sort of the same basic resonant idea but with a much different tone and a much different sort of expectation of what is realistic right like like he, it's he, a benediction man yeah that's and that's a great a way to say it. it's a benediction, a benediction. yeah May you dream, may you smile, may you feel love, may you feel empathy, may you feel welcomed, may you go on the train. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think that you should like it more because of its placement on the album. I mean, as far as album structure goes, this song, as much as I don't love the song, I, this song probably is one of the most well-placed songs on the record. Yeah. I, th- I think it's is correct like to be here. the end of Wrecking Ball? Say what? What if this is the end of Wrecking Ball? The end of Wrecking Ball is. What if it was the non? What if this song was the non-tongue-in-cheek version of "We Take Care of Our Own" that ended Wrecking Ball? Would you feel like good, much more good about it at that point? Well, the the, the final song on Wrecking Ball without the bonus tracks is "We Are Alive," right? Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, at this song, if it was on a record you really loved that was more original, 
would you feel good about it as a benediction, as I a blessing? Ju- I just now, I don't know why I didn't realize this two weeks ago when we were doing it, but Wrecking Ball be- both begins and ends with albums that start with the word we. Yeah. That's interesting. We take care of our own and we are alive. Yeah. It's like the two. I the it two has more W songs on it than any other record, too. It's got three. Yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, so. And and that this so so that album both begins and ends with songs that begin with the word we like declarations about who we are as a collective, and then mm-hmm. this album both begins and ends with a cover songs, but b cover songs that are about sort of the nature of hope, as an idea. A theor- they're ethereal. They're about hope and dreaming. It's yeah. about the things that you can touch, but that you that you are trying to manifest. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thematically, if if we're to, if we're to assume that the title of the album is is um, stating the theme of the album, High Hopes, then thematically, this song is exactly mm-hmm. what it needs to be. This is exactly the correct Because, song I mean, there's a line in Dream Baby Dream, come on, baby, we gotta keep the light burning. Which right. Like, that, what is hope other than keeping the light burning? That's right. So, so yeah, like, the, the album takes a lot of detours, and not all, not all the cover songs are um, the, the best ideas, probably, for, for the construction of the album. But he... He starts in an interesting place and he ends. I think he lands the plane really thoughtfully. And again, like I don't necessarily respond really well to this song, but I appreciate what it is. And I, I understand that. I and quite frankly, I wish I responded better to it. I on a on a technical level, I can appreciate what this is. I just for, for some reason so far in my life, I've not responded to the song as much as I want to. You know. Well, that's a that's a perfectly good analysis. Like you want to respond to it more, you just don't. That's yeah. good. You get it. As long as you get it, we're fine. Yeah, on, on a cognitive level, I totally get it. I don't. I don't think it's a bad song. It is. Well, it, it, I feel. I feel about actually. I feel about this song the same way I feel about 2001: A Space Odyssey. I fully recognize the artistic Perfect. value of it, but I don't. You don't even have to tell me. Yeah, I, I, it's just not <laughs> I'm for me. I feel free to. I'm just saying. Yes, I got. I got you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that is it. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. But yeah, and and. To to make this feel instead of to, this this is one of the things that almost kind of takes it from being a collection of outtakes to being a like an a thematically cohesive album is like how he bookends the, the the thing and so that that it does begin with high hopes and it ends with dream baby dream and 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 I mean again it's two cover songs which makes it a bit of an outlier but I mean he he does have we shall overcome it's not totally unprecedented that he would like pack an album with uh, with cover songs it's just unusual so. Um, but yeah, if he's going to do it, these are the two songs that he should do it with. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so yeah, that's that's High Hopes. That's the album. Yeah, great record. And in the bonus episode, we're going to talk about uh, American Beauty and how maybe those songs could have made High Hopes a better record. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Season 3. Season 3, yes. So we're going to take a couple of weeks off. Because we're having a hard time keeping up with our recording schedule as is, as you, I'm sure, have noticed. Um, that's a lot of my fault. But, you know, we're, we're, we're trying our best to keep our kids in school and educated and keep all the, all the, the day jobs, you know, running smoothly. Right. And keep our medicines in track. Yeah, keep, keep, yeah keep, the, keep the medicine cabinet correctly organized and everything. And so, um, anyway, so we are, to, th- this is our final episode of season two. It's been a fun season. I've enjoyed going through the albums with you, JB. Yeah, it's it for having been a little tired at the end of three hundred and something episodes. Like, 
Season two has been like, oh, yeah, let's keep doing this forever. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we just may. So uh, so season three. At this it, rate, we could. The, a, a thing that, that we've been asked is, one, when are you going to get to Western Stars? And now, when are you going to get to Letter to You? And that's coming soon. But before we do that, we're going to take a little bit of a, a – we're going to deviate from the main path. And we're going to do a mini series that I think a lot of we have a lot of listeners who have been asking us if we were going to do this. And so we are going to go ahead and, and say we're going to do a season season three for this this podcast. It's going to be a mini series in which we discuss the music of Jason Isbell. And um, and so we're, we're not going to do song by song. We're not going to do alphabetical for every song. What we're going to do is we're going to take chunks of albums. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks on every album. Um uh, leading all the way up to his most recent album, which is Reunions. But we're also going to spend the first two weeks. We're going to spend talking about uh, his work with the Drive By Truckers. So if you're yes. interested in Jason Isbell, then uh, get ready because we're gonna we're gonna spend like JB said. There's only so many artists that we probably would enjoy talking about at length. And but I think I think we've demonstrated pretty pretty thoroughly that Jason Isbell is one of those artists. You know, and we're about to get into it. Yes, we are. So. Um, so that's, that is the current plan. I'm, I'm super excited. We're, and hopefully we'll be able to do more mini series like this where we kind of hone in, may, may, not necessarily an alphabetical song by song, but sort of a, a deep dive exploration into the body of work of an artist that we like. So we figured like Jason Isbell more as much, I mean, except other than Bruce Springsteen, Jason Isbell is the artist that JB and I probably like openly praised most on this, on this podcast, I would say. Well, since we started this thing, he's put out what three records that have just floored us. Uh, let's see. He did the Nashville Sound in 2017. He did Reunions this year, but then also, yeah, he, he was a co-writer on a lot of the songs from The High Women. So yeah, he's a uh, he's been he's been doing he hard work. Eastern, I mean, he did uh, he did the the Southern More Than Free before we started this too, right? Southern More Than Free came out in 2015, so which was just okay, before we started this. Just this before we little, started, yeah. Um, but we'll talk about them all. Um, he also wrote a couple songs for the uh, Star Is Born soundtrack. You know, that's right. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super excited to to spend some time talking about Jason Isbell and and I, we've we've mentioned before that Jason Isbell sort of seems like the natural sort of successor for Bruce Springsteen in the singer songwriter world. Like the, he he in a lot of ways reminds us of, of Bruce Springsteen. And, Just a prolific working class like guy. Yeah. Um. All the, all the way down to like the the wife who goes on tour and like. She plays violin. I guess. I guess uh, Patty doesn't play violin, but you know, is is sort of like, and and sometimes he records with like the same band, and sometimes he goes off, you know, and records with other artists. And um, yeah, very similar. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of similarities, but also like he 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 writes a lot about like social issues, and he he writes a lot about privilege, and he also writes a lot from his own sort of like struggles and like like a lot of blue collar kind of themes that Bruce is. Tapped yeah, into. It's, he writes a lot of blue songs from a blue collar perspective. Yeah. So, so yeah, what we're gonna so beginning, um, probably sometime mid to late October. So we're gonna take a couple weeks off, and then sometime toward mid to late October, we will uh, be back in your feed with our Jason Isbell miniseries. We'll start off by talking about uh, the the first half of his career with Drive By Truckers, and we'll we'll go from there. We're not gonna talk about every Drive By Trucker song. We're only gonna talk about the Drive By Trucker songs. That he he's has, that he's yeah he he's listed as a songwriter for so just just some of them so anyway any any other words anything that we also need to mention about season three nope cool feeling good yeah feeling feeling real good all right well that'll be fun and then after that hopefully we will have had enough time to fully digest the all the new Bruce Springsteen material and we'll come back for season four and 
go back into discussing Bruce Springsteen. That's right. We'll do chapter and verse, Western stars, and letter to you. Yeah, and as well as like various songs that he wrote Anything for like Harry, uh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, anyway. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Thanks for being with us through seasons one and season two. And uh, we, we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks. Actually, if you're a patron, you can jump over to the patron feed, and we're, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, one well, more for you. Yeah. Uh, but if not, then we'll see you in a couple, or you'll hear from us in a couple of weeks when we start talking about Jason Isbell and the Drive-By Truckers. So until then, I'm Rob. That's JV. We'll see you next time.